I stand here today by the grace of God. God is so good, even though we don't think so sometimes. God is so good. He's faithful. And it's only by the grace of God that I'm here today. You know, God gave me a word probably three or four weeks ago. And generally when I start preparing a message, I'll pull a lot of Bible verses together. And, you know, there was, it's like there's been for the last few weeks something, not, not something missing, but just looking for some uh, common thread through the verses and through the thought that God had given me. And, you know, those of you who weren't here last week, um, we've had a family crisis and I just want to thank all, all our church family for praying for us and praying with us. And God has been faithful. We've been to Helen back this week, but God is faithful. Can we just have the PowerPoint, please? Turn with me in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. And, you know, Pastor James asked me if I'd, you know, like to just um, not preach today because of what's happened. And I just believe that when God gave me this word, you know, he's faithful and just. He's faithful and he's full of mercy. And God gave me this word and it's for whosoever. Whosoever. Who does God love? Who does God open up the plan of salvation? For whosoever. Second Peter 3, 9 and reading from the New King James. The Lord is not slack. It means he's not slow or negligent. He doesn't forget. Concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let me read it again. The Lord is not slack. He's not slow or negligent concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What are the promises that God has given you? What are the promises that God has given you for you and your family, for that which he wants you to do, that part of his kingdom that he wants you to be involved in? You know, God has not forgotten his promises. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God hasn't promised that he would take us out of that valley. He hasn't promised that he would stop us going into that valley, but he has promised us that he will be right there with us, even though when we don't think so, even though when we think that God's promises are so far away that they could never happen, God is faithful and he's just. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. I thank you for this word that you gave me some weeks ago, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, even the journey that we've been on through this week. Lord, that you are faithful and just. Father, even sometimes when I've cried out to you, God, where are you? You're right there. And I thank you for your answers. I thank you for your promises, Lord. And I thank you, Father God, that your heart, the heart of Father, is that none should perish, that all should have a chance and an opportunity to come to you and restore that relationship that was broken right back from Adam and Eve. And I thank you, Lord, for your, for your mercy. I thank you for your presence. And most of all, I thank you for your Father heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, whosoever, I'd like to talk about the Father heart of God. You probably see how all this fits into our crisis. The Father heart of God, whosoever, you know, Creflo Dolly used to say, who's in soever? Who's, in, who's included in soever? Who's in soever? It's beyond belief. 
because it's not just we just don't just believe in God it's beyond that it's that we would confess and believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and restoring God's presence the heart of the father for relationship with mankind is that none should perish but that whosoever would confess their belief in Jesus God's son would have God dwell in him and him in God whosoever 1 John 4 verse 15 whosoever whosoever that's everyone anyone all who's in soever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God God dwelleth in him and he in God relationship was broken in the garden with God walking and talking in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve sin came in between that relationship and separated it it's this relationship that God the father is open to restore with whosoever through Jesus Jesus Christ God's son Jesus the way to the father Jesus the truth about the father and his love and Jesus the life of and from the father Jesus the way the truth and the life secondly who's in soever who's in soever Romans 10 verses 11 and 13 this is from the King James for we found this is where we find the word whosoever for the scripture saith whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed verse 13 for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved whosoever calls on the name of the Lord that's everyone all and anyone so who's in soever I'd like just to play a little clip who's in soever it's everyone all
Who's on first? Whosoever, I just want to bring you back to that. Whosoever, is a play on words? Whosoever. Acts 13 verses 26 says, Men and brethren, children in the stock of Abraham, and whosoever, in the NIV, God-fearing Gentiles, among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham and whosoever, meaning Israel, God's frozen chosen, the branch broken, that the Gentiles might come in until the full coming in of the Gentiles, the whosoever, that whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. John four thirteen and 14, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up to everlasting life. It's beyond belief. It's not just a belief that God exists. It's not just a belief that Jesus actually lived on this earth and he died. It's beyond belief. Turn with me to John 3. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. We read the account of Nicodemus coming to Jesus. I've just got the first couple of verses up there. John 3, 1 to 18. This is beyond belief. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. We know you are a teacher who has come from God. Nicodemus believed that he was from God. He said, for no one could perform the miraculous signs that you are doing if God were not with him. But it's beyond belief. In reply, Jesus declared to him, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. What he was saying to Nicodemus, we don't read anything else. There's a conversation with Nicodemus, but 
We don't read that Nicodemus believed in him as the son of God. He believed he was a teacher sent from God. That's why he called him rabbi. But, you know, God has opened the door for whosoever that would come and believe in him. Yes, believe that he exists, but believe in Jesus as the son of God, the Messiah prophesied about in the prophets in the Old Testament that the door would be opened, that whosoever would come to him and believe in him and confess with their mouth that he is the Son of God, surely would be saved. You know, conversation follows with Jesus and Nicodemus, and Nicodemus says to him, Who, what, why? I don't know. How can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water, human being, and of the Spirit, being born again. Jesus gives birth to the flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Sorry, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is, said Jesus, with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus again, who, what, why? I don't know. How can this be? Nicodemus asked, you are Israel's teacher. Sorry, Jesus said, you are Israel's teacher. Sorry, Nicodemus said, you are Israel's teacher. I'm sorry, I get that mixed up. Nicodemus asked, How can this be? Jesus said, You are Israel's teacher to Nicodemus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? It's beyond belief. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And Jesus then turns his attention after having this conversation about the spirit and and the flesh or or the, the spirit, the human spirit and the Holy Spirit about things physical and things uh, spiritual. In verse 14, he turns his attention back to Moses And he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whosoever believes in him is not condemned, but whosoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. It's beyond belief. It's not just about believing that Jesus existed. It's not just about believing that Jesus died, but it's about believing that Jesus lived, he died, And he rose again on the third day and that he is and was and always will be the Son of God, even according to the Apostles' Creed that we read 
today. Romans 10, 9 and 10 talks about it being beyond just belief that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. A fourth point this morning, restoring God's presence. As I talked about Adam and Eve in the garden and God had relationship with them. He used to walk and talk with them in the evening, in the cool of the day. And he had that relationship. When disobedience brought sin, that relationship was broken. And right throughout Bible history, right throughout the history of mankind, God has sought to restore that relationship that had been broken. Again, 1 John 4, 15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 18, and I've got some of those verses there, Paul talks about the dividing wall. He talks about this relationship that was broken. He talks about the broken relationship that God restored in Christ Jesus, the Son of God. Reading from verse 11, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, But now in Christ you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Peace to those who were far away, the Gentiles, those who were not part of Israel and those who were near, those who were born into Israel. For through him we both Jew and Gentile have access to the Father by one Spirit. Paul was talking here about the dividing wall of separation. The dividing wall of separation in the Old Testament with the tabernacle that Moses was instructed to build. There was three dividing curtains. The holy, uh, the holy of holies where God, God's presence dwelt. It was only once a year that the great high, or the, the high priest could enter into that. Then there was the holy of holies, a, a place where priests could enter. Uh, the descendants of Aaron, I believe. And then there was the that was called sometimes the inner court, then there was the outer court. It was a place where Israel could come and sacrifice their burnt offerings. However, the first separation, there was no foreigner, there was no Gentile allowed through that first gate or through that first curtain. The lame were not allowed in there, the blind were not allowed in there, cripples were not allowed in there, the unclean were not allowed, the deformed, anybody that was hunchbacked, 
was not allowed in there. The lame, the crippled, the blind, the unclean, and the Gentiles. Anybody who was not an Israelite. There was many walls of separation from the presence of God. And God's plan is that that wall, those walls of separation, that dividing wall of hostility would one day in Christ Jesus come down that the presence of God would be acceptable to all men and women of every nation. Not just the nation of Israel, God's people, but that all would come to a place of being able to. Let me just read some of these prohibitions that separated even a distance of people from the presence of God. And you'll see in a minute why I've read this. Leviticus 12 verses 4 and 7, you know, it talks about any woman who had bleeding even after giving birth to a baby. There was so many days for a baby girl or so many days for a baby boy, different. Anyone, any woman who had bleeding was considered unclean and there was a certain time when they were allowed back into the outer court to be able to sacrifice or to uh, uh, be with their families. He shall offer them before the Lord to make atonement for her. Then she will be ceremonially clean from this. Leviticus chapter 21 and 10. This is talking about the descendants of Aaron who were not allowed in that first gate. The high priest, the high priest must not enter a place where there is a dead body. Aaron, none of your descendants who has a defect may come near to offer the food of his God blind or lame, disfigured or deformed, no man with a crippled foot or hand or who is hunchbacked or dwarfed or who has any eye defect or who has festering or running sores or, excuse me, damaged testicles. He must not go near the curtain or approach the altar and so desecrate my sanctuary. When Jesus came, Jesus healed the woman of the issue of blood. Jesus healed the blind, the lame, even the dead were raised to life. And you know, in Acts chapter 8, 26 to 38, we read, we read about Philip. And Philip was able to minister to the eunuch and bring him to a place of seeing that in the book of Isaiah, Jesus was prophesied about the meek, and gentle lamb and so we see that in the old testament there was that dividing wall of hostility but when jesus came he came and he personally ministered to these people who were separated from the presence of god when jesus hung his head and died the the curtain veil was torn in two the presence of god that had been so separate from access from many many people it was like the presence of god came out through the curtain to all to gentile and to jew alike there was no separation and there is no separation that whosoever would call on the name of the lord would be saved jesus he's not just a teacher you know jesus was crucified because he was a rabble rouser a thorn in the side of the Jews who were themselves a constant irritant to the Romans. We think 
When we think about why Jesus died, we think, well, he died for our sins. Yes, he did. He died to give his life. But he died in the political scene. He died as a stirrer, as a, a, a political irritant, a, a religious irritant. And that was the reason, that was the political and the physical reason that Jesus was put to death because he was seen as a rabble rouser. We need to see him afresh so that others might see him anew. The Son of God, the way, the truth, and the life, whom no man can have relationship with God the Father without, but that whosoever, whosoever. Can I have the music team again, please, Tate? Whosoever. The Father heart of God. God's heart is that whosoever would call on the name of Jesus would come and have relationship within Who's in soever? Everyone. All. There's no separation. There's no longer any wall of hostility. And it's beyond belief. It's not just believing that God exists or that Jesus lived once upon the earth, but it's in believing that Jesus is, was, and always will be the Son of God, that He gave His life for us, that He shed His blood to cleanse us of our sin so that no longer there would be a dividing wall or a curtain of separation that would exclude whosoever from the presence of God. God's heart, the heart of the Father, would be that He would restore the presence of God to all mankind, not just a separate few. As I finish this morning, Pastor Malcolm mentioned about the prodigal son this morning. prodigal son went his way we most of us know the story and the father heart of God is that the father was always looking for his son to return was always looking for his son to come back and restore that relationship verse 20 but while he was still a long way off of Luke 15 while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this, the son of mine that was dead is alive again. He was lost and is found. Bow your heads and close your eyes, please, this morning. God's plan of salvation, God's heart, the Father heart of God, is that none would perish, but that whosoever would call on the name of Jesus would be saved. Whosoever would call on the name of Jesus would have God the Father dwell in him and he in God the Father in that relationship. I want to ask this morning, if the, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, is there anybody here this morning, you don't know what it is to know Father God through Jesus Christ, His Son.